All right, John, we're going to try something a little bit different with this new intro. See if you like it. Bonjour tout le monde et bienvenue. Hallo alles und willkommen. Daisha hao, Wan Ying. Hola a todos y bienvenidos. Hi, or rechte Jagli willkommen. This is the latest from the desk of the World Language Content Facilitator. I have to tell you, when you get it right on GarageBand, it's real easy to sound cool. But when you get it wrong, boy howdy, do you look like a fool. Anyway, welcome to the World Language Content Facilitator podcast. For the second episode, I would like to do a little audio version of our February newsletter and just talk a little bit about some of the things that are coming up. So let's talk a little bit about the calendar for the next couple of months. So we're in February right now, at least while I'm recording. And depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we've got some professional learning series PDs coming up. On the 16th, we've got a session. It's an early dismissal day. So it's going to be in the afternoon around 2 o'clock. That session is called Close the Textbooks and Put Away the Chromebooks. We're going to talk about how we put some power back in the hands of teachers and the standards and how you can run your classroom without always depending on the textbook and the Chromebook. On the 19th, we've got a morning session called Mandarin Mania. That's for all of our Mandarin teachers. And then in the afternoon, we've got a session entitled Albert and Other Geniuses. And that one is specifically for all of our AP teachers and our pre-AP teachers, so levels three and four. The middle of the year walkthroughs have also begun. Many of you I've already seen, so you already know that they've begun. For those of you that I haven't gotten to yet, just know that I'm going to be stopping in. As always, these are quick, non-evaluative visits. They're just a way for me to keep my finger on the pulse of world language instruction in the county and to see ways that I can supplement and support and how I might want to design our professional development opportunities. If you are a department chair, then you also got an inventory request. I asked you to please have that completed by the end of February. I know it's a stretch for many of you, those of you that have really large departments. Mr. Rosine, I know you've got a lot. So if you need a little bit more flexibility with that, just let me know. If you're a regular classroom teacher and you're not a department chair, you might have gotten a request from your department chair to inventory the text that you have if you did, please get them that information. What I'm trying to do here is just get a sense of the materials that are being used throughout the county, especially when we're talking about textbooks, and just get a sense of who has what so that we can make sure that everything is distributed equitably and we can see if there are any holes that we need to fill, if there's anything that needs to be updated. It's very difficult to make any changes if I don't know what we're dealing with. You also all got an email about the launch of the beta stage of the new Canvas page. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a later segment of the podcast. 
in March. I'm continuing my walkthroughs. I'm hopefully finishing those walkthroughs. The logistics have been going really well so far. So I'm hoping to have those done by the end of February, early March. And we do have another professional learning series PD in March. That one is specifically about this Canvas revamp that again, we'll talk a little bit more about later on in the podcast episode. But that one is super important for as many people as possible to attend because the more people attend, the more I can create the product that you want from your Canvas page. The dual language immersion model UN is also happening in March. So that's super exciting. So there's a handful of the DLI teachers as well as myself and some other of the staff members from College Readiness that will be going off campus to participate in a model UN with other DLI schools in North Carolina. And that's super duper exciting. And then looking even further in the future, if we're thinking about April, for those of you that take the Apple examinations with your students, that administration is going to be happening in April. More information will be coming up on that. And then in April, there will also be another materials audit. Once I have all of those inventories, then I can run through everything one more time and just make sure that I've got everything that I need to know. And that's our calendar, y'all. All right, so moving on, let's talk about the resource for the month. And this month, I would like to get a little bit tech savvy with y'all and talk about vocabulary profilers. Now, you might not have heard about these before because honestly, it's a little bit niche, but I heard about them when I went to the ACTFOR conference in November. And I think that they're really interesting. And for some of you that like to nerd out a little bit, I think that this will be really interesting for you. So essentially what vocabulary profilers do is they look at a piece of text that you've selected and they tell you based on a corpus whether or not the text that you have submitted to it contains the most common vocabulary of a given language. So let me give you an example. Let's say that I pull a text from realidades and I put it into this vocabulary profiler. What I can do in that vocabulary profiler is find out whether or not this text contains the 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 most common words in Spanish based on the corpus that the vocabulary profiler has which is based on both spoken and written records. Now, why might you want to use this? So there's a couple of reasons. The first one is that reading material in textbooks is often made up in order to support a grammar or vocabulary concept that's being taught in the text. It does not always reflect how the language is spoken and written. So if you put text from the textbook into the profiler, it can tell you whether or not it actually represents how Spanish or French or German are spoken. And that's a useful bit of information for you as a teacher because it can tell you whether or not this is actually a useful reading. We have a lot of materials available to us and it's important that we use our time judiciously. So if a reading isn't gonna serve the students, then we don't wanna use it. 
Another great way to use this resource is if you have text from outside of a textbook that is authentic and you're unsure whether or not it's going to meet the needs of the students, you can take that text and you can put it into the vocabulary profiler and it will tell you whether or not it contains common vocabulary or more obscure, sophisticated vocabulary. And that can help you make a judgment about whether or not it's appropriate for your students. Now, just because it doesn't contain the most common vocabulary doesn't mean it's inappropriate. It just means that you need to scaffold or it might be appropriate for a higher level. But having the information helps you make instructional decisions. Now, if this seems a little bit obscure when you're listening to it on a podcast, I did make a Loom video for you to look at so that you can see me actually going through the exercise of putting a text into this profiler. And it is helpful to see it, you know, on video sort of in person so that you can see what it actually looks like and what you can do with it. So if you want to see that Loom video, check out the physical or digital copy of the newsletter where there's either a URL or a QR code and you can check it out. You can check out the video through there. All right, now for this next section for our announcements, I do want to talk about this beta launch of the Canvas page. So let's start from the very beginning. The Canvas page, which is to say the Canvas pages that serve world language and dual language are, generally speaking, a bit of a mess. So the quality isn't consistent, the format isn't consistent. So rather than try to fix all of these different pages, what I've decided to do instead is to build one from the ground up and to build it right and to house everything on that one page. Now, we serve four languages across 19 schools, across 65 teachers here in Union County Public Schools. So you can imagine that there are a lot of different pages, there are a lot of different needs. So I can't do this sort of design and building of a Canvas page all on my own without any input because I can't possibly know what everybody needs. So what I've gone ahead and done is build the basic infrastructure of this Canvas page. And I've built sort of the general information that any language teacher might need. And then I've also built individual pages for each of the four languages that we have in the county. Now, again, different languages will have different needs, especially when it comes to programming and stuff like that. So, for example, Chinese and Spanish are going to have traditional classes and DLI classes. So I want to make sure that each language page serves the teachers that teach that language. So I haven't built out a lot of the language pages because I really want the input from you all about what you want it to look like. I've built out the basic infrastructure of the German page so that you can see what it might look like and you can see the elements that you like and the elements that you don't like and then you can submit your feedback based on what you see. Again, this is a work in progress and we can still make it whatever we want it to be 
but I need your input so that I can know what I need to build. So here, here's what's happened. I have already added all of you to the actual Canvas page so you can see all of it. And I sent a feedback form, which is also hyperlinked in the physical and digital version of the newsletter. And you can go to that feedback form and tell me what you need to tell me. What are the things that you like? What are the things that you don't like? What are the elements that you don't see but that you do want to have on there? And then I can build those things. We're also going to have a meeting on March 15th. It's, it's a PD. So we're going to meet as many of us as possible. And we're really just going to sit down and I'm going to project this page and we're going to talk about what works, what doesn't work and what needs to change. And I need to have as much information as I possibly can have going into the summer so that I could spend the months where you all are not in the schools and where I'm not doing walkthroughs. I can spend those months building out the page with your suggestions and then the following year, the 24-25 school year, is when this Canvas page will really go live and when it will really be the Canvas page that everybody uses and we're going to store everything on there. And we'll talk about what the process looks like of getting modules and content and information onto that Canvas page because that will be a separate procedure. But right now, we really just need to get it looking the way we want it to look and then we can work on adding all of those materials. So please have a look at the Canvas page. Please submit your feedback. The more information I have, the better I can make it. All right, let's talk about the research focus for this month. And this month I've chosen a paper called Indicators of Academic Readiness for College, Evaluating an Advanced Spanish Language Program. And it's by Landis Lee and Watsinger Tharp. And what this paper talks about is a really interesting K-12 set of programming in Utah. Um, and it focuses on the secondary component, but Utah has a really interesting model for their world language instruction and their DLI instruction, which is to say that in elementary school, they have state-funded DLI programming, so lots of funds coming in from the state to create really rich DLI programming. Then they have a sort of um, middle school model that is a little bit like ours, actually, but they have a few more classes. And then in high school, the students take sort of traditional classes, traditional language classes in the same way that we do here in UCPS. But then importantly, they have this um, additional bridge program that allows students to transition from the AP language courses that they take in high school to taking dual enrollment classes. Now, this paper looks specifically at Spanish, but we can generalize to any of the other languages. And what they found was that having this bridge program through the AP language class allowed students who were generally underrepresented in advanced language courses to gain access 
to college courses and to gain access to some of the skills that become the primary indicators of success in college. And there's a lot of really sort of technical and philosophical discussion to this. And if you want to read the paper, it is attached to the email that I sent out with the, with the newsletter. But what I find really interesting about this is that we, as a, as a cohort, as language teachers, we interact with students and we reach students in ways that other classes do not. There are students that perhaps don't succeed in other academic classes that do really well in our classes because our classes are different. Even though they are academic in nature and even though they are rigorous in nature, they are different. Language acquisition is a different process than learning biology or math or even your English composition class. We're just different teachers and we teach different content. And there are many students that succeed primarily in our classes because of the way that our content appeals to the way that their brain works. And I think that it's really important that we recognize this. I think it's really important that we recognize the impact that we do have on students and that we encourage students to pursue studying languages at the highest levels because their success in our classes and their pursuing study at a really high advanced level in our classes can translate, no pun intended, to success more generally in other academic areas where they may struggle or where they may not have the same skill set that they do in learning language. So their participation and their success in our class can really make a difference at high school graduation, but it can also, and perhaps more importantly, really make a difference at college graduation. Because if through our classes, they are able to gain some of the skills that they need to succeed in college that they may not have gained otherwise, then that may be the reason that they succeed in college. And that's a really heavy responsibility for us to consider. But I do think that it's important because, again, we're able to reach a cohort of students that maybe wouldn't be reached otherwise. And it's important that we embrace that ability and that responsibility and that we encourage our students to pursue our languages at a really high level and that we work on creating programming that bridges that gap between high school and college. Now, we are already working on some of that. Some of you may have heard about the Spanish interpreter certificate that students can pursue and there are other ideas that are in the works as well. But what we really need is this push beyond level three, right? We need our students to take level three, level four, AP, IB. And that's where we need our students to be because that's going to translate to success in college. For our teacher spotlight this month, I would like to focus on Ms. Dawn Jones. Now, I'm not going to read the bio that she wrote. If you would like to read it, you are more than welcome to look at the digital version of the newsletter or the physical version that I'm going to send out um, because I'm not going to read her voice. I'm going to let her speak for herself. But something that I do want to point out and something that I do want to talk about is one of the things that she talks about in her introduction is the importance of immersion in her language journey. 
And for many of us, especially those of us that are second, third, fourth language learners of the language that we teach, immersion is a really important part of how we came to be where we are, why we devoted the amount of time and energy to the language that we studied. And if you speak to Jessica Gardner as well, you'll know that governor's school, when she went to governor's school for Spanish, that that was a turning point for her, that that sort of decided her path for the rest of her life. And for me, my immersion experiences have also been super important. They look a little bit different for me because I've lived in different countries with different languages. So it wasn't just a governor's school, but nevertheless, I don't think anybody could argue with the importance of immersion in the language learning journey. So one of the things that I have been working on sort of quietly behind the scenes is building some partnerships so that we can expose our students to more immersion experiences. So Governor's School still offers an option for Spanish. And I think it's important that we encourage our students to apply and attend Governor's School for Spanish because it is a great immersion experience. Another partnership that I've been working on is Concordia Language Villages, which is a summer camp in Minnesota. And we'll talk about the logistics of going to Minnesota at a different time. But these summer camps are fully immersive and they're really incredible experiences and this is something that I would like our students to participate in, something I would like us to encourage our students to participate in, because these are experiences that they couldn't otherwise have unless they went to the countries that speak these languages. But here they have an opportunity to domestically experience for three to four weeks full immersion in the language that they're interested in, that they're studying. And there is a lot of benefits to this. For us, there's the benefit that they come back to us as teachers with a more rich experience with the language and with a higher level of proficiency. And for the students, it's a really important motivating experience so that they want to continue studying the language and they understand that it's something that exists outside the four walls of our classroom. So we'll talk later in the year and early next year about what that looks like, about what that promotion sort of looks like and what that partnership looks like. But I want to put it on your radar because it is something that I've been working on and I think that it's going to be important for our students. I've also been working with Middlebury. Um, as many of you know, the, the language schools, I've talked to many of you about the teacher participation in Middlebury language schools because they only take um, students over 18. So I've talked a little bit to some teachers that are interested in attending Middlebury language schools as adult professionals, and that's a great option. But I also think that it would be a really amazing option for our graduating seniors as a bridge program between their senior year of high school and the beginning of their college experience. But again, more to come on all of that on those three programs. But I do want to put it on your radar that working on immersion opportunities is something that is in the works and it is something that I want to bring to our students because it's important for everybody, for us as teachers, for 
us as a program across the county, across four languages, and for the success of the students and their abilities to study and become proficient in the languages that they need as individuals and that we need as a nation. For our closing thoughts today, I want to talk a little bit about the idea of coaching. Because even though my title is World Language Content Facilitator, which is so ambiguous as to be completely unhelpful, one of the things that I do is coaching. But when we think about coaching, I think that we often have the wrong idea. We think about it as people that are bad at the thing that they're doing, so they need a coach in order to quote-unquote fix them. And I want to just address this idea because that's not what coaching is and it's not what I'm here to do. I want us to think about the idea that everybody needs a coach. And I want us to think about the idea that anybody who is professionally good at something has had coaches and continues to have coaches. So think about Little League teams. They have coaches. So it's not because they're doing anything wrong. They're just, they're kids. So they need guidance and assistance on how to continue to develop in the sport. And that makes perfect sense for their level of abilities. But when you go into Major League Baseball, certainly these adult professional baseball players all know how to play baseball, and yet they still have coaches. And it's not because they're doing anything wrong. It's not because there's anything that needs to be fixed. It's not because there's a gap in professional knowledge. It's because coaches are not there to fix us. Coaches are there to support and help an individual become the best possible version of themselves in the thing that they are pursuing. And in that way, everybody needs a coach. So when I was a beginning teacher, I had a mentor teacher who was wonderful. Shout out, Chandrika. And she is the reason that I am the teacher that I am today. And when I transitioned into becoming a department chair, I had an administrative mentor who helped me on some of the administrative things that were involved in that role because I didn't know how to do them. It wasn't because there was anything wrong with me. I just lacked experience in that particular area and I needed some assistance to do a specific thing that I didn't know how to do. And then now when I'm in, in this role where I'm a coach but I'm also a support and I'm also a, hey, this thing happened, can you help with that person? I have Jessica Garner who is coaching me on the adjustment of going from the classroom teaching to going into other people's classrooms and observing and doing walkthroughs and making professional developments and all of those things. And that is not because I am bad or that there's anything wrong with me. It is just to help me become better at the thing that I'm trying to do. Long story short, I want all of you to think about what coaching means and what it can mean to you in the context that you're in. 
and I want to offer my services. If you would like me to come into your classroom, either on your prep to talk to you or into your classroom while you're teaching to observe, whatever you think that you need that could help you become even better than you already are. At whatever level you are, I am available to collaborate if you would like to. So if you want me to come in on your prep to brainstorm a new technique that you would like to try, I'm happy to be a thought partner and just talk that out. And then you can execute it by yourself if you don't want me to be in the classroom and you don't want to be watched. And that's totally fine. If you are having some classroom culture issues and you want to work on developing relationships with your students, I can come in and observe a lesson. We can talk about it. We can practice some different techniques. I'm happy to help with that as well. Or maybe you just want to try something new and you want to sort of flip things around a little bit and you want me to just to see how it goes and give some feedback. I'm also happy to do that. The point is, I'm here to collaborate. I'm here to support you. So what I've done is I've made a request form. So if you're interested in collaborating, if you would like me to come into your classroom, in addition to the walkthroughs that I do, then you can submit that request and then we can work on whatever it is that you want to work on. So the request form is available via the physical um, newsletter in a QR code, but it's also available via a URL in the digital version of the newsletter. So let me know, and I'm happy to come in and work with you on whatever you're interested in improving. All right, y'all, that was episode two of the World Language Content Facilitator podcast. I want to end this episode of the podcast the way that I intend to end all of my episodes of my podcast, which is by highlighting music, because I think music is the gateway to language study. So first, let me highlight our world language playlist, which is, as always, available via Spotify. There's a link in the digital version of the newsletter, and there's a QR code in the physical version of the newsletter. Check it out. You all are the ones that populated the songs in here. So there should be something for everybody. And it's a great playlist. I also want to highlight an album. This month's album is Queen of Queens by Miss Ko. It's in Chinese. It's amazing. It's really heavy hitting. So, you know, you got to be kind of in the right headspace for it. But what I love about this album is that it breaks a lot of stereotypes of what you might think Chinese music is like. Um, and it's really fascinating. And if you do a little bit of research on Miss Ko, she's super cool. She's super interesting. And that's all I've got for y'all this month. As always, if you have questions, if you have comments, reach out to me. I am here to support you. Till next time.